For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Tiger fans, welcome to episode 42 of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of every new episode. Apple users, rate and review the show and everyone. Follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. Co-hosting the show with me today is Charles Bishop. How's it going, Charles? Hey, how you doing, Corey? It's, back. it's great to be back with you for another episode. Absolutely. And we have a very special and important guest. I know the fans are going to love hearing from him. None other than our defensive coordinator, Lionel Stokes. Welcome to the show, Coach. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. So uh, how are you, uh, I guess, adjusting to this new norm that we're all living in? Man, it's a it's a big adjustment, man. You know, just going back when it all started, you know, being a football coach, you know, that springtime is real important as far as just developing developing your team and just developing young guys and just from the beginning to have that taken away, you know, that was kinda of like a shock for us up up at the beginning. So we're really just trying to find new ways now to meet with our guys. As you know, we've been using those Zooms and having our weekly meetings that way. But just just as far as missing that spring, man, it kind of hurt us in some aspects just as far as the things like working on physicality and things of that nature. But with the Zoom calls, we've been kind of able to work on more of the mental side of the game, and I think that's going to help us moving forward. But like you said, just this new norm, man, it's different. It's new for everybody. So it's, like you said, it's something new every day. And Coach, let me follow up, and you mentioned those Zoom calls in terms of, um, you know, off-season communication with you guys. I mean, what what has that been like? Has there been, you know, full participation? Have the guys been receptive to it? Kind of talk us through that process. Um, early on, you know, guys leave home. They come to college to play football, and they're getting their degrees. But when they go back home, you know, mom and daddy, some of those guys have got jobs. So that was one mm-hmm. of the things that we had to work around, just guys' work schedule. Guys went back home. They got a lot of time on their hand right now, so they got jobs. So that was one of the things that we had to work around early on. You know, once we kind of got that narrowed down, we kind of picked a, a certain day of the week where we had most of the guys free in those days that we tried to work on. And what we do is we'll have a special teams meeting every week. And also we'll have an offensive-defensive meeting every week. And outside of that, we'll meet about two times per week 
with our position. But for the most part, it's been pretty good attendance, like I said. But some of those guys maybe have a work on some of those meetings. You probably have to catch up with them afterwards. But for the most part, it's been pretty good attendance. Okay, that's good to hear. All right. And, and Coach, you're back for your second season as the defensive coordinator. How would you assess season number one? Uh, didn't go as planned. Um, a lot of up and downs. You know, we came out of the gate pretty good. I would like to say that first ball game, obviously we didn't win it, but defensively I think we played okay. And after that it just started the roller coaster, you know. Um, a lot of up and down games. Some games we did play well, some not not so. And a, a lot of learning on my part and just a lot of learning from the players as well. You know, we kind of had some injuries that kind of set us back in some positions and, and, and just some things that just didn't roll our way that first year and just looking to build on those things. And like I said, going back to that spring, not having that spring kind of hurt us because we could have built a, built a lot on some of those things that was wrong and that was hurting us that season. And to not have that spring kind of hurt us. But like I said, we can work on that mental part with the Zoom calls and stuff to try to correct some of the mistakes and just some of the things that we needed to work on. Coach, you know, John Hendrick, he he, he made his bones on, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, in working with him, kind of what have you learned from his knowledge of defenses in terms of uh, philosophy or uh, schematic changes? Just kind of what, what have you learned from, from Coach Hendrick? And I, I learned a whole lot from Coach. You know, me playing, playing, I was a defensive back. I knew about the front, the D-line, and the linebackers and all that stuff. I knew about it. I always was one of those guys that was a student of the game, but I never played those positions. And him being a, a front guy, I learned a whole lot of that front stuff from him, you know, just as far as linebacker play and D-line stuff, D-line techniques and the way they steps and plays, most of that front stuff and just just, just the personality on defense as far as just an attacking and, you know, not making a call and not regretting it. You know, a bunch of that stuff I learned from him, and I'm real thankful to have him. True. All right, and speaking of Coach Hendrick, obviously, uh, you know, he's been the uh, defense coordinator in years past, and, and he, we've been – the defense has been near the top of the SWAC. I know last year we, we took a step back, as you, as you touched on earlier, and, of course, uh-huh. you mentioned the injuries and things of that nature, but what would you consider the reason for the regression? Um – just look, looking back at it, you know, at the end of the season, we just kind of look and see what was some of the problems that we had. And Coach and I, we got together and we talked about three things, not just defensively, but the whole team-wise. But I'm just going to talk in, in regards to the defense. We call it EMT. And the first one was explosive plays. I think we gave up way too many explosive plays. And I think that was a collective effort on my part as well as the players' part. And I think we could easily get that fixed. And the next one, the M, is for missed tackles. The thing that you do as far as to work on missed tackles, you got to practice it. And and whenever we do get, get back to playing football, I think the missed tackle is actually going to go up because it's, it's something that they haven't done in so long. It's going to take time to get that back to where it should be. And the last thing is just turnovers. We just got to get a mindset tuned in to the football and create more turnovers. And I think create more turnovers, that helps your overall defense. You give up less yards when you create turnovers. You give up less points when you create turnovers. So those just are some of the things that we want to work on just to move forward. 
you know, Coach, when you talk about those EMTs, uh, the uh, giving up the explosive plays, the missed tackles, and, and trying to create turnovers, how difficult has that kind of been to kind of put those corrective measures in place as you are, you know, trying to do it pretty much virtually through, through Zoom and trying to uh, get the guys mentally in tune with uh, trying to uh, correct those, those EMTs that you talk about? Well, it, it, it's been difficult. You know, early on what we did was we made cut-ups of all those things, bad plays, bad situations, where we call one thing, the guy's supposed to take the quarterback, he does the opposite, or, or busted coverage or some of that stuff, or where we had a bunch of missed tackles on the plays, which led to an explosive play. So early on we just made cut-ups and tried to just coach them through it, talk about, hey, this is the call. If we do it right and we execute, and this is the problem why why we had the breakdown in the play. And as of late, with the film watching, it, it's been real difficult because you're trying to watch film on your future opponent to try to kind of correct some of the mistakes and possibly see what they would do to hurt what we've shown that we've had trouble with it in, on film in the past. But with the cancellation of the game, that made it even harder. Now you really don't know what type of film to watch. Mm. And coach, can you can you talk to us about your your D line? I know last year the numbers probably weren't where you would have liked, but have you been able to address all your needs along that defensive front? Absolutely. Uh, like you said last year, and just to hit on the injury thing, we had two seniors up front, C.J. Anderson, which he came in off of that ankle injury. He really played the whole year hurt. End up end up being an all swag conference um, selection for us, which was good. And then Khalil Johnson was the other guy. He he got hurt early in the season, I think maybe game three. So those two guys that we expected to do a lot for, they kind of came in, hobbled a little bit. But we did address it. We brought some guys in. I believe we bought a three D linemen in at, at the mid-year, which, again, without having that spring, that kind of hurt us to get those guys kind of correlated to the defense and the terminology as far as just the physicality part of it. But I think the Zoom calls has helped them get those mental reps that they would have missed in the spring. Goshi, let's talk a little bit about the linebacking core. Obviously, uh, you have a stud in Keontre Hampton, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, Jackson State traditionally, they're, they're known for those linebackers who they come downhill, they come downhill fast with bad intentions. Talk a little bit about this linebacking core coming into this uh, 2020 season. But like you said, Keontae Hampton, man, he's the best in the conference. He's he's probably one of the best in the FCS, to be honest with you. He's a great football mm-hmm. player. He's one of those old school, like you said, back in the day linebackers. He's old school. He don't want to do the talking with the media and all the accolades and stuff. He just want to play football. He He's going to be our leader on defense. And actually, we, we are returning all linebackers from last year. Uh, one of our seniors that we had, he got injured early on. So he's able to get that year back. And as well as the guys that return, we added a JUCO guy that we believe that can come in and play. So we're actually looking for those guys to lead us lead us this this season coming up because, like I said, all of those guys are coming back from last year. The, Coach, the, the secondary, I know that's your position specifically. That's where uh-huh. At least that's where you play. But uh, we've had some attrition in that defensive backfield during the offseason. How are things looking from a number standpoint back there? And are you looking to add some more guys to that secondary? We um we actually kind of close to adding one guy, but um, we've already added two guys that we believe that can come in and help us. 
Um, we added a corner and also a safety. We believe those two kids can come in and help us. Um, and we are returning some guys that I believe that can play, but we just got to be better at putting guys in better positions to to fit their skill set. But moving forward, I believe the two guys that we're bringing in, I believe they can come in and help they want. Absolutely. And I want to go back to something that you kind of touched on, that tackling. What was your, uh-huh. your assessment of the team's overall ta- tackling last year? And I guess how would you grade it and how, how can we improve it? Uh, well, one thing, how to improve, you got to tackle. You got to do it in practice. You got to do it in scrimmages, obviously. It's one thing you got to do. If something that you want to get better at, you got to do it. You got to actually do it. And just with the thing that hard on defense as far as tackling, you don't want to always tackle your guys in practice because, you know, the more you tackle, the more there's a possibility of injuries. So the thing that helped with the missed tackles is the thing that I thought we did do well was run to the football. If you run into the football, that would kind of eliminate a bunch of the missed tackles. But to answer your question, as far as one thing that we really could work on, tackling is really all about angles. We just got to clean up our angles and take the right pursuit angle. So a bunch of the times, it's not really just us just not knowing how to tackle or not willing to tackle with the missed tackles. It's our angle. Say, for instance, if you're chasing the guy to the sideline, we want to go and run and cut him off as opposed to trying to track that hip to, to get in a position to make a good tackle. We kind of put ourselves in a bad position trying to go run and cut him off as opposed to forcing him to where our help is. And, Coach, you actually touched on literally my next question was, you know, and, and this is even before the pandemic, but uh, how do you simulate, you know, live space tackling, uh, especially with uh, uh, not as much practice time uh, and, and not as much live hitting in terms of teaching players the, the right angles? You know, just how, how do you kind of go through that process uh, as a defensive coordinator then? Well, um, two things. Well, one is – Whenever you're working on tackling on defense, you want to get maybe you would say your scout team offensive guys, kind of your down-the-line guys, the guys that that's mm-hmm. probably not ready to play on Saturday right now, and they can kind of yeah. be your guys that you can work on actually tackling and taking to the ground as far as at practice where you're not tackling your star offensive players. You don't want to get those guys hurt at practice. And the second thing is just with the technology people have been making – all type of dummies that actually move and to where you right. can get an actual simulation of a guy running with a ball as opposed to just tackling a stationary dummy. And I think those mm-hmm. two things are things that you can work on or actually do to kind of help. And I think with the dummy thing, is that's probably more safe. It's not an actual thing, but it's probably the closest you can get to being realistically with a guy moving and you actually working on tackling. Sure thing. And, and I know, um, you know, from a coaching perspective, uh, we talk about expectations all the time, but uh, without, you know, spring practice or, or potential lack of serious acclimation time because of the, you know, the pandemic and, and getting guys back working out, kind of what are your expectations for tackling, especially uh, kind of in the early part of the season? You, to be honest with you, I, I believe across football period, the tackling is going to be bad those first couple of games, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And I, and I believe mm-hmm. that won't just be a Jackson State problem. I believe that will be a football problem because cause tackling one of those things that you have to do, you know, just to be good at it. And what was it? We went went on the pandemic, what it was, early March. 
So for mm-hmm. guys to not really have live tackling since then, you probably do it a little bit in practice, but you maybe have, what, two scrimmages where you can tackle or simulate it the best you can in drills outside of that. So that's maybe, what, about five to ten times you would tackle. That's nowhere close to what it would be as far as actual playing games. So I think across the country the tackling is going to be bad at probably the first two or three games, to be honest with you. That's understandable. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, Coach, I want to switch gears and kind of talk about the you know opposing offenses and, and stopping those offenses. Because in, in the current era of college football, the offenses are really piling up the yards and the points. So how difficult is it nowadays to prepare your defenses for those multiple formations, uh, you know, from the run-heavy strategies that you face to the air raid concepts that you see and so on? Man, it's tough, man. You know, and, and it all starts back there with the signal caller. And in our league, we play against a bunch of guys that can run it and throw it, which that that kind of puts another element in there. But like you said, there, there's no defense that you can call that can stop absolutely everything. You know, and, and what we got to get our kids in tune in is understanding what's the weakness of each call. And don't get mad if that's what they're doing if we call that play because that's the weakness of the call. And, you know, like you, like you spoke on, once we play in those run teams, we'll be kind of more of a run-stopping type defense. But once we play in those spread teams, the RPO is wide open from there. So they, they they can hand it off to the running back. They can run it with the quarterback. And if you take the quarterback, they can throw the RPO out there. So it's real tough. And nowadays, these offense, man, they, they're innovative. They're coming up with something new almost every year. And it's a copycat league. So once someone sees somebody doing something that's successful, then, then every week, that that team that we play is probably going to be doing that thing. So, I mean, it, it's tough. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in addition to that, would you say that the rules, uh, for the most part, do they kind of favor the offenses as well? And how concerned are you with what happens between the 20s versus kind of focusing your efforts on making the stops in the red zone? I mean, it's, it's geared towards the fans, and the fans want to see points. So, the rules are going to be geared towards towards that, you know. It's offensive-friendly league and offensive-friendly game. The more points, the happier the fans. But obviously, I'm on defense, so I want to have the lower points. But to <laughs> sell the game, I believe it's it's the scoring the points, like you said. So so some of those rules are tough on defensive guys. I mean, I go back to the targeting thing. They call it targeting on a defensive guy, but if if an offensive guy come and crack a guy, which is the same type of deal, that 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 call don't get called as much as a targeting would. And for right. your second question, um, in between the twenties, we want to try to stop really, really on first down. If you get a negative play on first down, that kind of sets you up for second and third. But between the twenties, when they're backed up, you don't want to you don't want to let them get a first down because that's field position. And when you get it, get past the twenty in the red zone, you want to try to force a field goal. But outside of that, within the 20, you want to try to create negative plays on first down and obviously try to get them to third down and get them off the field. But, yes, but it's a different different thinking in between the 20s. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Coach, and I, I like to ask my defensive guys this, you know, in terms of uh, we take a look at the continued evolution of the RPO. 
Are there rule changes that you would like to see that can kind of slow down offenses? I know from a play-by-play perspective, you know, I, I take a look at bubble screens, and sometimes I see offensive linemen five yards downfield blocking. You know, is there, is there are there yeah. things that you look at as a defensive coordinator and like, hold on, wait a second, let's let's <laughs> we gotta we gotta change that. Man, you hit it right on the head. You hit. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, because mm. if you're going to do the RPOs, man, you got to be realistic with it. I mean, because a bunch of the teaching on defense, we read offensive linemen. So if they coming off the ball and they five yards downfield, we thinking that's a run block. And then the mm-hmm. quarterback runs out and he flips and throws the ball down the field. I mean, it, it, it's tough, man. You know, it's tough. And then, and then some of the things, just as far as just with pass interference, I don't think it gets called equally. Most of those calls mm-hmm. go defensively. I think that would be one thing that also they can look at as far as just making making that call more fair. And then like you like you hit on with the offensive line thing, man, that's a big one, especially with the RPO mm-hmm. game. Sure thing. Schematically, you know, we we talk about this RPO and and. And, and offenses, offense coordinators, they're utilizing fullbacks and tight ends more to kind of outnumber defenses uh, while still utilizing, you know, these big speedy receivers downfield. You know, kind of what is the counter uh, in this sort of cat and mouse game in terms of when you see those 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 hybrid personnel, especially RPOs with the fullbacks, tight ends, and then you still got guys that can get deep? Um. It it really boils down to how good you are up front, depending on what you want to play. I mean, you could play play it with two high. Obviously, you can play it with one high. But I think if it's a team that has speed guys outside, you probably mm-hmm. want to play more two high, especially if you have a more of a, a good defensive line. And and if you have a speed guy inside, I think you might want to play a little bit more one high and try to get an extra hat mm-hmm. in the box. So it really just right. all depends. Um. I think the easiest thing to call as far as stopping the RPO is man, but there are some zones that we do play that can that that's been pretty good against the RPO. So it really all depends on what that team is trying to do out of that RPO and what the personnel that they have. Sure thing. And coach, are there any particular trends that you're seeing uh, specifically in in SWAC offenses that you're facing? And if so, uh, from a game planning standpoint, how can your base defense counter it? It's the well. The trend is really the zone read because most, most like I said, most of the quarterbacks who play going to be dual threat. So, like you said, the question where you said about the tight ends and the fullbacks, a lot of teams run that. I believe um, maybe Southern is the only one. If I'm thinking right, is the only one that probably plays with like a, just a traditional unit tight end, and sometimes bring two tight ends in the game, but. Outside of them, most of those guys got kind of the ace backs and kind of spreading it out and zone reading and RPO and stuff. But I think with all those teams that we play and what we play, our base defense is good against everybody except maybe Southern. We might have to play a little more four down just because of the tight ends that they use. And, Coach, you kind of talked, uh, touched on this, and, and this is sort of, I guess, a philosophy uh, standpoint question. But, you know, when we take a look at some of these quarterbacks around the SWAC, with Darius Skelton, Felix Harper, uh, Kadarius Davis, uh, you know, how do you, how do you slow down these increasingly more athletic quarterbacks? Well, you you got to play with all 11 people on the field. 
So mm-hmm. whenever you got a running quarterback, they playing with 11 people, so we have to play with 11 people. So when you're playing against a pocket passer, you're not counting your quarterback as being really an offensive runner. So, therefore, you can kind of mm-hmm. leave one or, your, one or two of your safeties back deep. You don't really have to play with those guys really too much. But once you're getting into the running quarterback situation, it's 11 on 11 football. Because once the running back, I mean, once the quarterback becomes a runner, they gain an extra blocker. So if they gain an extra blocker, now we got to add another defender there. So once you start playing against those quarterbacks, running quarterbacks, it's 11 on 11 football. That makes total sense. And, and that kind of leads me into my next question in terms of, you know, where is the balance uh, from a defensive coordinator standpoint in terms of simplifying your scheme where guys can still play fast but but still want your guys to recognize formations and prevent them from really using the width of the field to stretch out your defense? Well, one thing that we do is um, just to keep it simple, a bunch of our calls are one-word calls. That mm-hmm. way they can we they not sitting there staying at the sideline waiting for three or four signals. We give them one signal and one call and they know the play, which, which in mm-hmm. turn allows them to kind of get the call, diagnose the offense, diagnose the down the distance, diagnose the formation, and in turn we we hope that can allow them to play faster. That way they're not spending too much time looking at the sideline trying to get three or four calls. That way they can kind of get in and out, and in turn we hope that can allow them to play faster. So, Coach, here's, here's something that, that I always wonder about. You know, as fans, you know, we all we all always think we're coaches, which we're not, and uh-huh. you know, we play Monday morning. We play Monday morning quarterback. Well, one of the things that you know we always kind of debate amongst ourselves. Uh, we look at uh-huh. certain players, and uh, and and we wonder if they're better off playing a different position, whether it be a uh-huh. safety moving to a linebacker or vice versa, or or even uh, switching an offensive player who's not seeing the field much over the defense. So. Position changes ever a point of conversation amongst the coaches, and if so, to what extent? And how do you decide if you'll make that switch or not? Absolutely, we talk about that a lot. Actually, if you remember, I, I kind of hit on it a little bit. I probably went by it fast when I was talking about as far as us putting guys in better positions for their skill set. Right. So I, we we that's that's definitely a topic of conversation all the time. Um, moving guys from from each side of the ball, or like you said moving a corner to safety or moving a safety to the linebacker, that's definitely a, a thing that we do, and, and, and that actually happens. And, and you might see some of that change this coming fall. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, Coach. Well, uh, before, you, before we let you go, what would be your overarching message to the fan base regarding next season's defense? What can we expect? You're going to see a revamp. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, we're going to work on those EMTs. We're going to cut down the explosives. We're going to cut down the misplays, and we're going to create some turnovers. That's good right. stuff, Coach. Looking forward to it. Oh, yes, sir. I got I got to get this call, man. Coach Hendrick just called me about five, ten minutes ago. All right. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You have a good one. Man, thank you all, man. Thank you all. All right, well, that'll do it for episode 42 of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple users, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. Leave a question or a comment while you're at it, and we'll be sure to read it on air. I can't stress the importance of this enough. 
We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department. And it all starts with you downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. And tell every Tiger that you know. We're on all podcast outlets. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and so on. And we'll be posting each new episode on our Facebook and Twitter pages. As always, thank you for your support. Go Tigers! Hashtag V-I-Love. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.